Hey guys, welcome back to the Deeper Podcast. Today's reading is in Exodus chapter 7 verse 14 through chapter 12 verse 30. And this encompasses the 10 plagues that struck Egypt. And these plagues serve several different purposes. Number one, they showed Egypt and the Israelites that God was God above all other gods and above all other human beings. God is superior. Now, these plagues were a way to show that God was sovereign and all-powerful throughout the entire world. And number two, they occurred to strengthen Israel's faith and to show them that their God loved and cared for them. And that's why the Israelites were supposed to celebrate Passover, so that the coming generations would know God and would know His power and, and would know His love over their people. And number three, it showed us the power over the Egyptian gods and over the powers of evil. God will protect his people against all the powers of the enemy. You know, as we've read, the Egyptian sorcerers were able to replicate some of these, some of these miracles that, that God was doing. And this shows us that there are dark powers and that there are demonic forces at work in this world. But as we see in, in these plagues, we see God's power over the power of darkness. And so the Bible pretty clearly tells us that there is an enemy, there is an adversary, but God is stronger than the enemy. And finally, and perhaps most obviously, they were God's way of persuading Egypt and Pharaoh to free the Israelites and to let God's people go. So let's talk about some of these plagues. And if you just read it through, kind of through our cultural lens, they sort of seem kind of random. And maybe maybe you can look at, you know, number one, where the Nile was turned to blood. Maybe you can put two and two together and see that the Nile River was a source of life. Uh, if you know anything about geography in Egypt, you know that without the Nile River, it would pretty well be a desert wasteland. But the Nile provides, uh, you know, vegetation and growth and it provides drinking water for people, and so it's a source of, of life for the Egyptians. And, you know, if you look at, uh, looking down at these, if you look at darkness, you may be able to tie, that was the ninth plague, you might be able to tie in that the Egyptians worshipped Ra, which was the sun god, and that darkness might have sort of some significance to the Egyptians. But if you look deeper into every one of these ten plagues, you'll see that they were all targeted at Egyptian deities and Egyptian gods. This wasn't just a way for God to punish the nation of Egypt. He was pointed at every every single plague had an underlying message to the Egyptians saying, I'm more powerful than this deity. I'm more powerful than this goddess that you have. God alone is superior. God alone is mighty. So let's let's talk about some of these. Uh, we, we did talk about the Nile a second ago. And so plague number two, the frogs. Um, so frogs represented fertility for the Egyptian people. And there's some studies that naturally when the Nile River would flood, that frogs would, would start to, to populate areas. And, and so the Egyptians looked at this as a, as a source of fertility. And so some of their gods had uh, frog features, like the, the face of a frog. And so um, they would look at these frogs as a source of fertility. So when they became you know, overrun with these frogs, it was almost as if God was mocking their goddess of fertility. Then we look at plague number three, the gnats, and, and we see they have a, a god, I think I'm pronouncing it right, I, to be honest with you, I don't know much about Egyptian gods or goddesses and mythology and all that stuff, but they have Geb, who's god of the earth, and um, when, when, when uh, 
Moses sprinkles the dust. He's mocking this God and, and, and gnats were populating the earth. And then we go into plague number four, flies. And um, they have a, a God, the God of creation, who has the head of a fly. And so these flies, when they became a nuisance to the people of Egypt, it was as if God was mocking. When I say God, I'm talking about our God. It was as if God was mocking their God that has a fly on his head and, and or, or that has the head of a fly. And I mean, it, it's complete nonsense to God. And so moving on, we see the death of Egyptian livestock. And Egyptians would worship, uh, they, they, they had a belief that that gods would reveal themselves through bulls and through other animals, uh, livestock, cattle, animals like that. And that they believe that these animals actually brought protection to the people. So therefore, this plague and the livestock, it, it represented that God was superior to these animals that they sought their protection from, that, that God was able to destroy these animals. And, and because of that, God was greater. He, he, was, he was speaking in, in ways that the Egyptians would understand. You know, we talked about yesterday at length that Pharaoh thought that he was greater than the God of the Israelites because the Israelites were enslaved and in bondage to the Egyptians. And so in, in Pharaoh and in the rest of the Egyptians' line of thinking, their gods must have been greater if they had power over them on this earth. And so God is showing them that, no, 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 you do not have power over me and over my people on this earth. And I am showing you surgically, categorically, why I am greater than every single one of your deities. And so, you know, moving on, we get to plague number six with the boils. Uh, e Egyptians worshipped Isis, the goddess of medicine. And so these boils defied her ability to be able to bring healing and to be able to bring uh, life and, and a healthy life to the Egyptians. They were struggling with this horrible, horrible disease. And then we have uh, the hailstorm that comes in plague number seven. And I know I'm just going through these quickly, but I'll, I want to show you that God is, is, is showing the Egyptians that he is greater than every deity that they have. Uh, they have Nut. <laughs> it's spelled N-U-T. So if I'm not, maybe it's Newt. I don't know. But the Egyptian goddess of the sky that was to protect the Egyptians from bad storms and, and uh, damaging hailstorms. Then we have Locust. And uh, Locust, that, that kind of falls into the category of Seth, the god of disaster, who was supposed to keep the Egyptians from disaster, like plagues of locusts and things like that. Then in plagues number nine and number 10, we kind of get to where this is kind of the end of the line for how stubborn Pharaoh can be. When, when you put the Egyptians in darkness, uh, they worship the sun. And so you're taking away their light source, their energy source. And so the sun god was, was blotted out. And it may not seem like a big deal. You and I may think, well, darkness, that's not a big deal. We'll just turn on the lights. Or if we didn't have electricity, we'll, we'll build a fire or something like that. But to the Egyptians, this was a big deal. I mean, the sun god was their most... Uh, he was their most... Um, dependable God. I mean, you, you can count on the sun rising, and so that's kind of the logic the Egyptians held. But when the sun didn't rise, when there was darkness throughout the land, except for in the Goshen Valley where the Israelites lived, that, that said something. But apparently it wasn't enough, and Pharaoh's heart was still hardened towards God and was still stubborn. He still had faith 
and all of his other gods, even though categorically they had been defeated time after time after time. And we finally get to the breaking point here where the death of the firstborn in each household, Pharaoh is considered to be the son of Ra. He's this, he's in their mind, he's the son of their greatest God. And therefore, by killing the firstborn, and this included Pharaoh's firstborn, God showed his sovereignty in a mighty way, in a painful way for the Egyptians. In short, these weren't just random plagues. You know, Egyptians saw the Nile as sacred. Uh, they had all these different gods who were supposed to protect them from all the plagues that happened. And basically, it, it all failed. It, it, it all fell short. Now, during this final plague, um, again, the death of the firstborn of every Egyptian household, um, it's known to the Israelites as Passover because God gave the Israelites clear instructions to sacrifice a lamb and place the blood at the threshold of their door, and God would pass over and spare their home. Now, this points to the coming sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, and that by his blood, our sins would be forgiven, and we are made right with God. In Exodus chapter 12, verse 11, God tells the Israelites, These are your instructions for eating this meal. Be fully dressed, wear your sandals, and carry your walking sticks in your hand. Eat the meal with urgency, for this is the Lord's Passover. That's kind of an interesting thing to say. You know, a lot of times when we're eating a meal, that's when we let our guard down and that's when we get comfortable and we put our coat away and we, you know, if you, I don't know how many people carry a walking stick, but I'm sure that you wouldn't stand there with your walking stick at the table. But God instructed the people that when they ate this meal, keep the walking stick in your hand, eat this meal with urgency for this is the Lord's Passover. And what that illustrates is that we should always be prepared to follow God at any time. And for the Israelites, what God was saying is, your departure is imminent. You need to be ready to leave Egypt at any moment because I am at work here. So as we come to the end of today's podcast, there's one final thing that we should talk about, and that is the use of unleavened bread. This feast we read about is representative of how God saved and separated his people from the Egyptians. Yeast causes fermentation, which represents sin. So the unleavened bread represents repentance. And today, many of you listening might have taken communion and have heard the term unleavened bread. And this is where it finds its roots. And you're going to see this come up more and more throughout Scripture. And especially when we get to the New Testament and the Gospels, we'll talk about it more there. And so, guys, thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. Let me say a quick word of prayer with you. Heavenly Father, thank you for, for, for giving us your word, God. And Father, I pray, Lord, that as we study it, Lord, the, the, the words on the pages will illuminate, God, and that, that you'll start to speak to us in our spirit, Father. God, I pray for every person that takes the time out of their day. Bless them, keep them, watch over them in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, we'll see you tomorrow, and we're going to continue in Exodus. See you then.